Chapter One, Part Two of the Rock of Chickamauga. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rock of Chickamauga by Joseph A. Altscheller. Chapter One at Bellevue. Part Two. Colonel Winchester, Pennington, and Warner had gone to sleep. But Dick was wakeful. He had again that feeling of pity for the people who had been compelled to flee from such a house, and who might lose it forever. It seemed to him that all the men, save himself and the sentinels, were asleep, sleeping with a soundness and indifference to surroundings shown by men who took their sleep when they could. The horses stamped and moved uneasily beneath the threat of the advancing storm, but the men slept heavily on. Dick knew that the sentinels were awake and watchful. They had a wholesome dread of Forrest and Wheeler, those wild riders of the South. Some of them had been present at the terrible surprise in Tennessee, and they were not likely to be careless when they were sure that Forrest might be near. But he remained uneasy nevertheless. And although he closed his eyes and sought a soft place for his head on the saddle, sleep did not come. He was sure that his apprehension did not come from any fear of an attack by Forrest or Wheeler. It was deeper-seated. The inherited sense that belonged to his great-grandfather, who had lived his life in the wilderness, was warning him. It was not superstition. It seemed to Dick merely the palpable result of an inheritance that had gone into the blood. His famous great-grandfather, Paul Cotter, and his famous friend Henry Ware, had lived so much and so long among dangers that the very air indicated to them when they were at hand. Dick looked down the long piazza, so long that the men at either end of it were hidden by darkness. The tall trees and the grounds were nodding before the wind, and the lightning flashed incessantly in the southwest. The thunder was not loud, but it kept up a continuous muttering and rumbling. The rain was coming in fitful gusts but he knew that it would soon drive hard and for a long time everybody within dick's area of vision was sound asleep except himself colonel winchester lay with his head on his arm and his slumber was so deep that he was like one dead warner had not stirred a particle in the last half hour dick was angry at himself because he could not sleep let the storm burst it might drive on the wide roof of the piazza, and the steady beating sound would make his sleep all the sounder and sweeter. He recalled, as millions of American lads have done, the days when he lay in his bed just under the roof and heard hail and sleet drive against it, merely to make him feel all the snugger in the bed with his covers drawn around him. The fitful gusts of rain ceased, and then it came with a steady pour and roar driving directly down thus leaving the men on the outer edges of the piazzas untouched and dry. Still Dick did not sleep, and at last he arose and walked softly into the house. Here the sense of danger grew stronger. He was reminded again of his early boyhood, when someone, blindfolded, was told to find a given object, and the others called hot when he was near or cold when he was away. He was feeling hot now. That inherited sense, the magnetic feeling out of the past, was warning him. Dick felt sure that someone not of their regiment was in the building. 
He neither saw nor heard the least sign of a presence, but he was absolutely certain that he was not alone within Bellevue. Since the lightning had ceased, it was pitch dark inside. There was a wide hall running through the building with windows above the exits, but he saw nothing through them save the driving rain and the dim outline of the threshing trees. He turned into one of the side rooms, and then he paused and pushed himself against the wall. He was sure now that he heard a soft footstep. The darkness was so intense that it could be felt like a mist. He waited, but he did not hear it again. And then he began to make his way round the wall, stepping as lightly as he could. He had gone through most of the rooms at their arrival, and he still retained a clear idea of the interior of the house. He knew that there was another door on the far side of the chamber in which he stood, and he meant to follow the wall until he reached it. Someone had been in the room with him, and Dick believed that he was leaving by the far door. While he heard no further footsteps, he felt a sudden light draught on his face, and he knew that the door had been opened and shut. He might go to Colonel Winchester and tell him that a lurking spy or somebody of that character was in the house, but what good would it do? A spy at such a time and in such a place could not harm them, and the whole regiment would be disturbed for nothing. He would follow the chase alone. He found the door and passed into the next room. Its windows opened upon the southern piazza, and two or three shutters were thrown back. A faint light entered, and Dick saw that no one was there but himself. He could discern the dim figures of the soldiers sleeping on the piazza and beyond a cluster of the small pines grown on lawns. Dick felt that he had lost the trail for the time, but he did not intend to give it up. Doubtless the intruder was someone who knew the house and who was also aware of his presence inside. He also felt that he would not be fired upon, because the stranger himself would not wish to bring the soldiers down upon him. So with a hand upon his pistol butt, he opened the side door and followed once more into the darkness. The ghostly chase went on for a full half-hour, Dick having nothing to serve him save an occasional light footfall. There was one period of more than half an hour when he lost the fugitive entirely. He wandered up to the second floor, and then back again. There, in a room that had been the library, he caught a glimpse of the man, but the figure was so shadowy that he could tell nothing about him. "'Halt!' cried Dick, snatching out his pistol, but when he leveled it, there was nothing to aim at. The figure had melted away, or rather it had flitted through another door. Dick followed chagrined. The stranger seemed to be playing with him. Obviously it was someone thoroughly acquainted with the house, and that brought to Dick's mind the thought that he himself, instead of the other man, was the stranger there. He came at last to a passage which led to the kitchen, a great room, because many people were often guests at Bellevue, and here he stopped short, while his heart suddenly beat hard, a distinct odor coming from different points suddenly assailed his nostrils. He had smelled it too often in the last two years to be mistaken. It was smoke, and Bellevue had been set on fire in several places. He inhaled it once or twice, and then he saw again the shadowy figure flitting down to the passage and to a small door that, unnoticed by the soldiers, opened on the kitchen garden in the rear of the house. Dick never acted more promptly. Instantly he fired his pistol into the ceiling. 
the report roaring in the confined spaces of the house and then shouting with all his might fire 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 as he dashed down the passage he ran through the little door which the intruder had left open and pursued him in the darkness and rain into the garden there was a flash ahead of him and a bullet whistled past his ear but he merely increased his speed and raced in the direction of the flash as he ran he heard behind him a tremendous uproar the voices and tread of hundreds of soldiers awakened suddenly and he knew that they would rush through bellevue in search of the fires but it was dick's impulse to capture the daring intruder who would destroy the house over their heads built of wood it would burn so fast once the torches were set that the rain would have little effect upon the leaping flames unless measures were taken at once which he knew that the regiment would do under such a capable man as colonel winchester meanwhile he was hot in pursuit the trail which was not that of footsteps but of a shadowy figure ran between tall and close rows of grapevines so high on wooden framework that they hid anyone who passed the suspicion that dick had held at first was confirmed this was no stranger no intruder he knew every inch of both house and grounds and after having set the house on fire he had selected the only line of retreat but a safe one through the thick and lofty vegetation of the garden which ran down to the edge of the ravine in the rear where he could slip quietly under the fence and drop through the thick grass into the ravine unseen by the pickets and escape at his leisure in the darkness dick was so sure of his theory that he strained every effort to overtake the figure which was flitting before him like a ghost in his eagerness he had forgotten to shout any alarm about the pickets but it would have been of no avail as most of them under the impulse of alarm had rushed forward to help extinguish the fires he saw the fugitive reach the end of the garden drop almost flat and then slip under a broken place in the palings at an ordinary time he would have stopped there but all the instincts of the hunter were aroused it was still raining and he was already soaked wet branches and leaves struck him in the face as he passed but his energy and eagerness were undimmed he too dropped at the hole under the broken palings and slid forward face foremost the wet grass was as slippery as ice and after he passed through the hole dick kept going moreover his speed increased he had not realized that the garden went down to the very edge of the ravine and he was shooting down a steep slope to the depth of thirty feet he grasped instinctively at weeds and grass as he made his downward plunge and fetched up easily at the bottom he sprang to his feet and saw the shadowy fugitive running down the ravine in an instant he followed headlong tripped once or twice on the wet grass but was up every time like lightning and once more in swift pursuit the fugitive turned once raised his pistol and pulled the trigger again evidently forgetful that it was empty when the hammer snapped on the trigger he uttered a low cry of anger and hurled the useless weapon into the grass and then he whirled around and faced dick who was coming on eager and panting dick's own pistol was empty and he did not carry his small sword he stopped abruptly when the other turned and in the dim light and rain he saw that his opponent was a young man or rather youth of about his own size and age when he saw the lad cast the pistol aside dick moved by some chivalrous impulse dropped his own on the grass 
Then the two stared at each other. They were far beyond the line of the pickets, and as they stood in the deep ravine, there was no chance that anyone would either see or hear them. As Dick gazed intently, the face and figure of his antagonist shaped themselves more distinctly in the dim light. He beheld before him a tall youth, extremely well-built, fair of face, his brown hair slightly long. He wore rain-soaked civilian's garb. He saw that the youth was panting like himself, but it was not wholly the result of flight. His face expressed savage anger and indignation. "'You dirty Yankee!' he said. Dick started. No one had ever before addressed him with such venom. "'If by Yankee you mean loyalty to the Union, then I'm one,' he said, "'and I'm proud of it. What's more, I'm willing to tell you who I am. My name is Richard Mason. I'm from Kentucky, and I'm a lieutenant in the regiment of Colonel Arthur Winchester, which occupies the building behind us. From Kentucky, and consorting with Yankees. A lot of it you are doing it, and you ought to be on our side. We hate you for it more than we do the real Yankees. It's our right to choose, and we've chosen. And now, since you're talking so much about right and wrong, who may you be, Mr. Firebug? Even in the dark, Dick saw his opponent's face flush, and his eyes flash with deadly hostility. My name is Victor Woodville, he replied, and my father is Colonel John Woodville, C.S.A. He is the owner of the house in which your infamous Yankee regiment is encamped, and which you have tried to burn. I'd rather see it burn than shelter Yankees. You'd burn it anyway later on. Grant's troops have already begun to use the torch. At any rate, you'll go before our colonel, and he'll want to ask you a lot of questions. I'm not going before your colonel. Oh, yes, you are. Who's going to take me? I am. Then come on and do it. Dick advanced warily. Both had regained their breath and strength now. Dick, with two years of active service in the army, had the size and muscles of a man. But so had his opponent. Each measured the other and they were formidable antagonists, well matched. Dick had learned boxing at the Pendleton Academy, and as he approached slowly, looking straight into the eyes of his enemy, he suddenly shot his right straight for Woodville's chin. The Mississippian, as light on his feet as a leopard, leaped away and countered with his left, a blow so quick and hard that Dick, although he threw his head to one side, caught a part of its force just above his ear. But guarding himself, he sprang back, while Woodville faced him laughing lightly. Dick shook his head a little, and the singing departed. Just above his ear he felt a great soreness, but he was cool now. Moreover, he was losing his anger. First blow for you, he said. I see that you know how to use your fists. I hope to prove it. Woodville, stepping lightly on his toes, and fainting with his left, caught Dick on his cheekbone with his right. Then he sought to spring away. But Dick, although staggered, swung heavily and struck Woodville on the forehead. The Mississippian went down full length on the slippery grass, but jumped to his feet in an instant. Blood was flowing from his forehead, whence it ran down his nose and fell to the earth, drop by drop. Dick himself was bleeding from the cut on his cheekbone. The two faced each other, cool, smiling, but resolute enemies. First knockdown for you, said Woodville. But I mean that the second shall be mine. Go in and try. But Woodville drew back a little, 
and as dick followed looking for an opening he was caught again a heavy clip on the side of the head he saw stars and was not able to return the blow but he sprang back and protected himself once more with his full guard while he regained his balance and strength am i a firebug asked woodville tauntingly dick considered this youth interested him there was no denying that woodville had great cause for anger when he found his father's house occupied by a regiment of the enemy he considered it a defilement the right or wrong of the war had nothing to do with it it was to him a matter of emotion i'll take back the epithet firebug he said but i must stick to my purpose of carrying you to colonel winchester always provided you can look out for yourself the mississippian who was wonderfully agile suddenly danced in on his toes it seemed to dick and landed savagely on his opponent's left ear and then he was away so quickly and lightly that dick's return merely cut the air the kentuckian felt the blood dripping from another point his ear moreover was very sore and began to swell rapidly one less enduring would have given up but he had a splendid frame toughened by incessant hardship and above all enclosed within that frame was a lion heart he shook his head slightly because a buzzing was going on there but in a moment or two it stopped are you satisfied asked young woodville you remember what paul jones said i've just begun to fight was it paul jones well i suppose it was anyhow if you feel that way about it so do i then come on again mr richard mason dick's blood was up the half minute or so of talk had enabled him to regain his breath although he felt that incessant pain and swelling in his left ear his resolution to win was unshaken pride was now added to his other motives he took a step forward fainted parried skillfully and then stepped back woodville always agile as a panther followed him and swung for the chin but dick swerving slightly to one side landed with great force on woodville's jaw the young mississippian fell but while dick stood looking at him he sprang to his feet and faced his foe defiantly the blood was running down his cheek and dyeing the whole side of his face but dick saw the spirit in his eye and knew that he was far from being conquered woodville smiled and threw back his long hair from his face a good one for you you shook me up he admitted but i don't see any sign of your ability to carry me to that yankee colonel as you boasted you would do but i am going to do it the rain increased and washed the blood from both their faces it was dark within the ravine but they had been face to face so long that they could read the eyes of each other those of woodville like those of dick ceased to express great anger in the mind of each was growing a respect for his antagonist the will to conquer remained but not the desire to hate if you're going to do it then why don't you said woodville dick moved slowly forward still watching the eyes of the mississippian he believed now that woodville agile and alert though he might be had not fully recovered his strength there was terrific steam in that last punch and the head of the man who had received it might well be buzzing yet dick then moved in with confidence but a lightning blow crashed through his guard and caught him on the chin and sent him to earth he rose though still half stunned and saw that the confident taunting look had returned to woodville's face fortunate now for dick that the pure blood of great woods rangers flowed in his veins and that he had inherited from them too an iron frame his chin was cut and he had seen a thousand stars but his eyes cleared and steadily he faced his foe 
do i go with you to your colonel asked woodville ironically you do replied dick firmly he looked his enemy steadily in the eye again and he felt a great sense of triumph after such severe punishment he was stronger than ever and he knew it therefore he must win he struck heavily straight for the angle of woodville's chin the mississippian evaded the blow and flashed in with his left but dick who was learning to be very wary dodged it and came back so swiftly that woodville was caught and beaten to his knees but the son of the house of bellevue was still so agile that he was able to recover his feet and spring away dick saw however that he was panting heavily the blow had taken a considerable part of his remaining strength he also saw that his antagonist was regarding him with a curious eye you fight well yank said woodville although i ought not to call you yank but rather a traitor as you're a kentuckian still i've put my marks on you you're bleeding a lot and you'd be a sight if it weren't for this cleansing rain i've been putting the map of kentucky on your own face you don't look as much like mississippi as you did you'll take notice too that you didn't burn the house if you'll glance up the side of the ravine you'll see just a little dying smoke eight hundred soldiers put it out in short order woodville's face flushed and his eyes for the first time since the beginning of the encounter shone with an angry gleam but the wrathful fire quickly died on the whole i'm not sorry he said it was an impulse that made me do it our army will come and drive you away and our house will be our own again that's putting it fairly what's the use of burning such a fine place as bellevue still we want you our colonel has many questions to ask you you can't take me dick judged that the crucial moment had now come woodville was breathing much more heavily than he was and seemed to be near exhaustion dick darted boldly in received a swinging right and left on either jaw that cut his cheeks and made the blood flow but he sent his right to woodville's chin and the young mississippian without a sound dropped to the ground lying relaxed and flat upon his back his white face streaked with red upturned to the rain he was so still that dick was seized with fear lest he had killed him he liked this boy who had fought him so well and grasping him by both shoulders he shook him hard but when he loosed him woodville fell back flat and inert dick heard the waters of a brook trickling down the ravine and snatching off his cap he ran to it he filled the cap and returned just in time to see woodville leap lightly to his feet and disappear with the speed of a deer among the bushes end of chapter one part two